For the next 10 minutes, we want to look at the 2020 academic year. So we know that Minister of Basic Education, Anshem Moshecha, says that the year 2020 will be recorded in history as the most difficult year for the world. This is due to the disruption caused by the COVID-19 virus and the effect it had on the ed- education system. During the media briefing in Pretoria, Moshecha says the metric group of 2020 lost 47 schooling days and there will now be a three-year curriculum recovery plan to make up for lost time during uh, uh, due to covid 19. Internationally renowned expert in education, Professor Jonathan Janssen from Stellenbosch University. He joins us now um, as part of this discussion and just to sort of dissect some of the things that were spoken about yesterday. Prof, good morning and thank you so much for your time on Breakfast 91.3 FM. Always lovely chatting to you. Good morning. Prof, we know we know the minister says, you know, that to, to mitigate the impact of lost time, the recovery process will occur over a three-year period straddling 2021-2023. What will be the challenges of this recovery plan? Look, um, you know, the politicians, unfortunately, have a way of just throwing out, you know, a random statement such as this. The problem is we already have a backlog even pre-COVID, you know, between the advantaged schools and the disadvantaged schools. Uh, we have a CAPS curriculum that is hopelessly overcrowded. And then, of course, you had uh, a pandemic that, that, that made the inequalities worse, you know. Mm-hmm. So we've been catching up now since 1994, and we still haven't caught up, you know. So, um, no, look, we've got a very, very hard path going forward to try and bring, to lift the entire school system you know, not just those for the privilege, uh, in such a way that we can make sure every student has a firm foundation in languages, sciences, mathematics, and so on. But, yeah, this, this, these random end-of-the-year statements are, are neither here nor there. We've got a crisis. I don't know if you saw the least, recent results that came out from the third international math and science study. Uh, we once again, at the bottom, last or second last in the world wow. in in science and math. So what is the minister talking about catching up? The whole bloody system has to catch up, you know? Yeah. In fact, there was a message that came through um, on my on my WhatsApp line, uh, Prof, uh, from 2452. Um, it says, uh, why do the minister, Angie Moshecha, say that it will take three years to recover from catching up the schoolwork when the kids were at home for six months and the teachers um, say the children can't stay at home because they can't do nothing with, you know, at school. Uh, they can't uh, take the time and they, you know, uh, that they, they claim in inverted commas, the children do nothing. Um, used to catch up with some schoolwork. So it shows that even from a, the, the parents are starting to wonder how it is that the catch-up process is going to work. But, you know, also with the pandemic far worse than during our peak at this point in time, you know, in June, do you foresee schools returning to normal in January, Prof, or will there be um, staggered classes again? No, I, I really don't know what the... A lot is going to depend, of course, on on um, what happens with the virus, you know, and, and whether we have a worsening situation. Uh, uh, as you know, the president has uh, closed down parts of the country, some of the beaches, um, the, the garden and all of that. So things 
are getting worse as far as the virus is concerned. What's even, what's even more puzzling to me is that the president is not giving us detail about the vaccine, you know. Mm. So at least if people could have a sense, okay, by March, April, May, or September, we're going to have a vaccine, we've paid for it, and, and we'll be able to put jabs in arms. But he's not saying any of those things in any detail whatsoever. So we're left to the elements, so to speak, you know. And so I believe that whether schools close or, or how they reopen is going to depend very much on community spread. It's going to depend very much on the national picture of the virus. Now, um, don't forget, before we get too excited about returning to school, that over a thousand teachers and, and staff have died this year yeah. in South Africa as a result of this death. You know, you, you, you can call those acceptable losses if you're a statistician. It's not acceptable. It is absolutely unacceptable mm. that so many of, people, of our people who work in schools uh, have, have, have died. So I don't think that decision must be made recklessly again, you know, about when and how to be open. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, pressure being applied, um, uh, Prof. And I mean, one of those, uh, you know, that I want to get your, your your take on are the pressures that will be placed on the 300,000 young employees who, who will be used in this recovery plan. Yeah, you know, I, I, I like the idea of giving employment to people who are sitting at home or don't have jobs and so on and so forth. But, you know, um, schooling is a specialist uh, uh, Endeavor, you know, I take teaching to be a very serious professional. Uh, yes, yeah. And if you're just going to put a whole lot of people into schools on the presumption that they can help or take over from, you would never do that in a surgery, okay? You would never do that mm. in an accountant's office. But somehow we, we, we despise education so much in the ways in which we think of human resources, you know, and, and their replacement that uh, and the, the mind boggles. So, no, I, I, I think give people jobs uh, in public you know, infrastructure and, and development and roads and, and, you know. But for heaven's sake, don't just push 300,000 people into schools on the presumption that they have anything to do or can do anything about the quality education our children should receive. Yeah. If, if, if we were to look at, you know, there, there were many concerns this year in terms of, you know, what are, how many metrics, for example, wrote the, the, the final exam, how many are going to be successful, etc. Are these sort of concerns around the learner dropout rate over the past year, given that so many learners um, had just failed to return to school or to even pursue uh, remote learning? No, you're right. That is the big damage done to the school system this year is, um, and we need data. We need good, solid, reliable data from the department. How many children started off 2020 in schools pre-pandemic and how many of them didn't return? And, and then of those who didn't return, what number went into, you know, private online uh, 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 teaching, etc. and how many simply you know, because of poverty and, and, and so on, just didn't. There are, so in a place like the Western Cape, for example, we have a huge dropout rate in a normal year, especially among boys, you know, where that surely has gotten worse. Where's the data on that? You know, mm. and this is a, a governmental function. Private people can't do this. Government needs to tell us this is what the picture looks like right now. Mm. I don't know the single school, certainly not in the Cape Flats, you know, where every child came back to school in the phased in program. It didn't happen. Mm. Uh, and so on. So until we have that data, uh, it's difficult to plan. But what I can tell you is the long-term effects of 
of the, the, the pandemic year is that even fewer students return to school. And those are, that has huge social implications, let alone economic ones as well. Can imagine. Let's turn to, uh, quickly, you know, uh, to the matric redact fallout that also happened not too long ago. The minister said that government printers were identified as the second source of the matric exam paper leaks. Now, the, um, the department believes that it is necessary to put to bed the questions around the credibility of the exams, though, Prof. You know, is this uh, is this saga going to play out further, or what is uh, what what is at stake here? Look, I tell you what's going to happen, um, and I've interviewed a whole lot of people now, both in Emolusi and the department, and, and you know, in these investigation teams. What I can tell you for sure is that there is no way that come early next year, Umalusi, which certifies the metric results on the release, there is no way they're going to be able to certify those metric results for math and, and paper two and physical science paper two. It's not going to happen. And when that happens, every student, as I predict, is going to have to rewrite mathematics and, and physics next year, early next year. Not just paper two, because now you have to rewrite the whole paper, you know, both yeah. papers one and two in both subjects. So we've just postponed the inevitable. I don't know why this judge got involved, you know, in what is an administrative matter, you know. And and you should have left it to the department to, to implement what they had decided to do, which is for the sake of the integrity of the exams, let the student rewrite uh, those two papers, and then they can go into 2020 with peace of mind. Now, you, 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 you nullify, you tell the department you can't do the rewrites. Umalusi then looks at the the investigative report, which apparently shows that the leaks have been into all nine provinces uh, and with much greater numbers than 159 or whatever it was. Now, if that happens, yeah, and Umalusi is, is, is a body of integrity, you know, it cannot certify the results. Now, this is going to have an impact, uh, believe me, on the kids who apply to university. They're going to have to, you know, universities will have to make a plan B here. And for those who simply need to get into the world of work. So so I'm afraid my judgment is we, we have postponed the exams. We haven't cancelled the exams. Right. And the reason for that is Umalusi cannot certify a widely leaked examination, mm. uh, examination papers. There's so, there's so many questions just around that that I want to pose, Prof. But time is not going to um, allow us to get into that because in, uh, the other thing I wanted to touch on was another thing that was contentious, a contentious issue this year, and that was, of course, that the um, Department of Basic Education allowing schools to give pupils, I think it was from grade four to nine, up to about five percent extra marks if this allows them to progress to the next grade. Is this problematic or a good decision yes. given the social context that we are in? It's understandable, but it's also problematic. I hear horror stories from schools yesterday from a, a fairly, you know, well subsidized school in the southern suburbs where when teachers put in the marks, the software, and it's below 50%, the, the software automatically, on instruction apparently from the authorities, uh, switches to 50% of the student passes. Now, for me, first of all, you need greater transparency around these things, you know, and secondly, you need to ask the question, if you're going to pass students in mass who didn't actually pass, you know, on a limited exam, what does that mean for the quality of education going forward? Mm. Mm. Very, very interesting. Prof, we now turn to 2021. What do you think will be the most pressing challenges going forward? 
I think the most pressing challenge is to close the gap between the schools that had a fairly seamless transition from face-to-face to online, uh, you know, teaching. Uh, there were the fancy schools, for example, in the Western Cape, and Cyprians and your, you know, uh, um, Springfields and, and West of it and so on. They, they didn't have much damage done, you know. Uh, but for the schools where nothing happened for months at a time, that gap is going to kill us, you know, in the years to come. And you can't simply make it up in three years. I don't think the minister gets these ridiculous, mm. you know, uh, uh, ideas wrong. And and so laying the foundation for a long-term yeah, and sustainable, you know, reform of our entire school system is our biggest challenge. But we're doing piecemeal. We think you can catch up with every bloody thing the way we used to play catch up with metric uh, subjects. It's not going to work. Yeah. Now, Prof, I mean, you know, when, when, when COVID-19 um, struck, when, when the coronavirus struck the shores of South Africa and we went into hard lockdown in March, you could see, you know, and, and we've always said this, you know, that there wasn't a textbook that we could go to page 19 and follow these steps. You know, everybody struggled and had to fall around, even the education system, they had to fall around to try and put in measures in place. And we were sympathetic and empathetic towards them. You know, in every other department, but there were times that we saw that uh, you know politics came into play, especially between national government and the and the and the Western Cape Education Department, and people could easily pick up on this. So, as a point of departure, Prof, I want you to perhaps, if you if you may, how do you, how would you rate the National Minister of Basic Education and the department's performance this year, and then how would you also rate that of the Western Cape Education Department? Look, I, you know, I think the, the, the first thing I'm going to avoid is, is comparing um, because there is so much ANCDA politics, you know, yes. between the Western. You see it now with the beaches, for example, mm. you know, and I don't think one was falling into that trap. The truth is, um, the uh, on the side of the National Minister of Education, I really think she's out of touch with the reality on the ground. She really is. She speaks about schools. You'll see this with the announcement of the metric results. She speaks about schools as if it only matters to the middle classes and to those who are successful. She doesn't talk about the 500,000 kids who didn't make it to grade 12 from mm-hmm. grade 2, you know. Yeah. Um, and so the Western Cape, you know, on average, it does better because it has more privileged schools than the huge provinces like Kosovo-Natal and, and the Eastern Cape. But if you break that down and you compare the schools in Kailicha and Hanover Park and Manenberg to the schools along the main road that runs, you know, from Jan van Riebeek in the, in, in the city bowl all the way down to um, uh, Kreiling uh, in, in Fisher then you're talking about huge inequalities that haven't been resolved. So you can't hide behind the average sports, if you know what I mean, yeah. Okay, to cover up these kinds of inequalities. So a curse on both their houses, as Shakespeare would have put it, you know, for not dealing with this uh, rampant inequality of the school system. Prof, we need so much more time to delve into this, but I'm going to have to leave it there. Thank you so much, educational expert and internationally re- renowned expert in education, Professor Jonathan Janssen from Stellenbosch University. I appreciate your time, and if we don't speak um, soon, Prof may have a beautiful festive season, Prof. Thank you, and the same to you. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye.